welcome to the Christ and Coffee podcast. I'm Jeremy. It's my good friend, Haig. And we're back with Shant, our good brother from California. Uh, we are in a series uh, for this uh, for the last couple of weeks and moving into the next couple of weeks. We're in a series on the I am statements of John's gospel. Depending on how you count them, there's seven. And we mashed two of them up last week. I am the gate and I am the good shepherd. We covered that last week. Before that, we looked at I am the light of the world, and then the very first I am statement in John's gospel, I am the bread of life. And this week, we're in chapter 11 of John's gospel, and we're exploring Jesus' statement, I am the resurrection and the life. This is probably one of the most famous ones. If you've been to a funeral, you've probably heard this uh, either recited or preached on. Um, It's a very famous text, and it comes in the last major sign scene in the gospel of John. Uh, John's gospel is broken up into two sections. They call it the book of signs. And then the second half is called the book of glory. And all the signs in the first half of John's gospel culminate in this one big major epic sign of Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead. So let's start there uh, based on the context of this statement coming Uh, there in the scene of Lazarus being raised from the dead or just before Lazarus is raised from the dead. What does it mean that Jesus says uh, in that context, I am the resurrection and the life? It's interesting to me, I think, looking at the the whole context of the the verse that, you know, this is Jesus uh, going to, in a sense, his good friend, right? His, his best friend. He's coming to see that he's passed, he's in the grave, um, and he's confronting uh, death, right? And he said this is the last sign, right? This is very interesting because death, that's the last thing. Like you can have miracles and healing on, on different ailments and different things, but in a sense, this is the last statement that he's making. Uh, ultimately, it's like a culmination that keeps the resurrection and the life ultimately like everything's leading up to this, right? This is what Jesus's ministry is all about. This is what his whole purpose is all about. That's why he's come to this earth. And it's, it's shown here in a very personal way that Jesus is dealing with Martha, Mary and Lazarus, people that are very close to him, people that he cares about um, and people that know him, that, that uh, love him and, and believe in him and trust him. And yet there's this kind of tension uh, in the story of, well, you know, they say, oh, Jesus, if you were here, my brother would live. That's what Martha says. And that's what Mary says later. If you were here, uh, then my brother would be alive. And uh, even before that, Jesus talks to his disciples. Uh, you know, he they, they get the news. They don't go right away. They wait. The disciples don't know what Jesus is doing. They're confused. Uh, um, obviously, it's, it's like a comedy routine sometimes with the disciples and Jesus. Like, he tells them something and they completely misunderstand it. But um, he, he says, once they get word that he's died, he's like, in a sense, Jesus basically says, good. I'm glad he's dead so that you can learn something. You can see something. You're going to see something happen that's going to strengthen your faith. And I think similar with Mary and Martha, even though they trust Jesus, they believe in Jesus, they still have this tension of, oh, Jesus, like you failed me almost, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but Jesus makes a point saying, you know, I'm the resurrection and life. If you really understand this statement, then you'll see that it isn't a failing. It isn't a disappointment, but it's something more, that there's something beyond that Jesus is trying to show them and the disciples um, that goes beyond our expectations and this world. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. 
I, I love how uh, it's important to keep in mind before we learn about death from this, it's important to first weep. Uh, like the, uh, everyone always says, what's the shortest verse in the Bible? And they're like, Jesus wept. Ha ha ha. But like, no, Jesus wept. His friend died. Yeah. Like, what's the Christian response to death? Grieve, mourn, cry. Like, Jesus grieved, mourned, cried. Yes, there's right. hope, but let's start there, you know? Yeah, and there's actually, uh, maybe I can put it in the show notes somewhere, but there's a, there's a, there's a whole handling of this, of that specific passage, Jesus Wept by Karl Barth. And, and in it, he has this beautiful, beautiful image of Jesus coming face to face with the enemy, death, and like weeping at the pain and devastation and chaos that it's just unleashed on a creation that he loves and desires to thrive. So it's just this beautiful scene of kind of mer merging those two things together. Like Shant was saying, this is Jesus like coming down to the final countdown and facing off with death and weeping at everything it's done to the world and then offering the hope that needs uh, to, to flower on the other end of it. And I think that's important that he matches resurrection and life. So you think of life like God is, God is about giving life and breathing life into the world. And resurrection seems to has this, have this connotation of life in spite of death, like life in the face of death. Like it, it refuses to let death have the last word and, and life will be the last word. So it's not just overly victorious. Like it's just life all the time and life wins the day. It's like, it's life after death. It's life uh, through the way of, of God forsakenness and brokenness and shame on the other end, there's life uh, in the presence of Jesus. And I think that's important to, to bring that all together. Yeah, it's in the midst of the suffering, right? It's in the midst of the loss and the grief that, you know, Mary and Martha are experiencing. Even though they have faith and trust in Jesus, it's still a difficult and struggle, but Jesus is there to lead them and, and comfort them, but also grieve with them. And, you know, just speaking personally, because uh, for, for me, it's been tough uh, even before COVID and everything, but, you know, I lost my both my parents a little over a year from, from one another. Uh, my dad passed away of cancer uh, late 2018, and my mom uh, died suddenly of a heart attack early uh, this year in 2020, in January. And, you know, it, and it's a lot of grief to handle all at once, uh, but knowing that they were uh, believers and trusting in, in Christ, and I, I definitely relate to Mary and Martha, right? They're standing next to Jesus and be like, Lord, you know, I, I, I believe in you, I trust in you. Uh, but there's, it's still hard and it's still grieving and I'm still maybe, you know, disappointed or, or sad or, or like, oh Lord, if this could have, something could have happened differently. It seems like what mm. Mary Martha is saying, it's like, yeah, I get it. What, uh, go, Lord, couldn't it have been different? Couldn't it have happened some, you know, some other way? Uh, but Jesus is there to, to grieve with us, but also to reassure us. And like you said, it's resurrection and it's, it's life. Mm. Uh, it's that death doesn't get the final word. Uh, but even life now, uh, life in the moment, life even in the midst of grief is redeemed, I think, because mm -hmm. of who Jesus is and what he does. Yeah, th th thanks for sharing. And again, our condolences. Yeah. It's, I can't imagine uh, losing both yeah. your parents in such a smart, short window sure. um, of time. And uh, I, I think part of like secular culture, millennial culture's inability to wrestle with pain is because uh, we've lost sight of 
having redemptive meaning to suffering. If there's no God, if there's no hope after we die, it's hard to handle this. Uh, it's hard to handle uh, when evil befalls or death befalls uh, ourselves or a loved one. And I, I think the secular position doesn't really have an answer to the problem of evil and suffering. Uh, but it's, it's so common. It's, the, it's a common belief. Uh, okay, that's it. That, that there's no meaning to this. Um, and Christ is saying, look, I'm giving meaning to death through resurrection. It's not just, um, let's, let's pretend like this life has no meaning. No, he's the life. Our life does have meaning and our life is going to die. It's going to end. But at the other end of death is the resurrection of the dead. Um, so, so not only does this give future hope, like we were saying, but it also gives current hope to the meaning of uh, this existence right now. Uh, God is going to redeem this existence, not going to throw it away. We're not going to escape from this world. We're going to see the redemption of this world. Yeah. And I'll finish your thought if you had anything else, but I, I think that's the real, that's the real punch in a sense of this passage and what Jesus says. Cause you know, you have that picture of Jesus, Martha's standing with Jesus, looking at Lazarus's grave. And, you know, Jesus says, Oh, you, your brother will, will live again. And Martha's like, Oh, I know in the end times in the resurrection, he's going to rise again. It's that pie in the sky, like, oh, we're going to be reunited in heaven, and everything's going to be wonderful, and la-di-da, uh, which is true and fine, but Jesus kind of like kind of like slaps her into focus, like, no, like now, I am the resurrection and the life, not just in the future, that's going to happen, but I am the resurrection and the life here, now, I'm standing right next to you, be, you know, be present, don't just be, you know, looking in the future for wishful thinking, but that redemption and uh, that glory like that is happening right now. Don't lose sight of it um, and em embrace it really. I'm thinking, what does it mean for him to say that I am the resurrection and the life? You know, that it's, it's a, it's a, not even just a consequence of being in fellowship with him. It's, it's part of who he is. Like he's the author of life. And not only the author of life, but he is the author of resurrection life because he himself faces that meaningless, you know, that seeming God forsakenness of death on a Roman cross. He faces it and he, he is, you know, victorious over it. He gives life to it. So it's something, you know, interesting, almost mystical about being in union with Jesus, being in union with Christ, that your, your relationship with him is such that he is actually life to you. He's actually life, even in the place of, of death and in the place of suffering, he is, you know, in that dark valley with you walking through it as one who's experienced it and recognized it. Um, I think sometimes we, I mean, to get super fancy, there was a whole heresy in the church just before, um, you know, well, just before Nicaea and some of the controversies that took place called docetism. And it basically said that Jesus was with us, but didn't actually fully experience everything that human beings experienced. And I think sometimes there's a tendency in our churches to say that, you know, Jesus just seemed like a human, but didn't really experience all the human things that we experience. And, you know, so, so he just, was like, uh, Clark Kent pretending to be like yeah, Superman pretending to be Clark Kent here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There you go. That's docetism in a 
Yeah, in a pop in a comic book nutshell. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, and and here, this is just a reminder that uh, that he went through. I mean, he weeps, he cries, he's broken, he's a sh- you know, he's just he's devastated by this. Um, and so, in even in that, he brings this this new life um, because he is life and he is right. resurrection life. I, I think I, you're right. Yeah, go ahead. I, I think there's a, a lot of confusion with the word resurrection itself. Uh, I mean, it implies a bodily new create, like a, a new existence. Like, so there's resurrections before Jesus. Uh, you have it in the Old Testament with Elijah. You have it in Near East stories. Like the idea of someone dying and coming back is uh, something that we even talk about with, with, where we interview people who have these near death experience. Now you could psychoanalyze the brain and maybe just to f- explain why that's the case. But this idea of someone dying and coming back like Lazarus um, is just not a Christian idea. But when we say the resurrection in the sense of the Christian framework of Jesus, it means that Jesus is alive today in a, in a bodily existence. It's not like, like Kierkegaard says in, the, in his book, The Sickness on the Death in the beginning, Lazarus rose from the dead, but he died <laughs> again. Yeah. The, 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 the boy that Elijah rose from the dead died. Jesus even did a resurrection on, on the young girl in his ministry in the Synoptic Gospels. That girl died. But, but when we say resurrection here, we're saying Christ is actually alive. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's important to like, clarify that because it's not just a, uh, a typical, all right, you had a near-death experience, you're still alive. Right. Yeah, it's, it's, more of, it's, it's a more definitive statement, right? That this resurrection endures, it continues. And you know, what's the worst thing that, why are we afraid of death? Is death takes away life, right? But if Jesus says, no, I am the resurrection and the life, I'm alive and I'm the life. It can't be taken away from you. Death can't take it away from you. Uh, so you're, uh, its power over you is gone. Uh, the, the fear of it uh, you know, can be gone if you understand that Jesus is that resurrection that endures and he is the life that death can't take away, basically. Mm-hmm. I, mean, I think it's important, like you touched on, Haig, that, that this roots the importance of our body in the narrative of what it means to be a Christian, because it's this body that is made new. It's not destroyed. It's not done away. Um, That our bodies matter. And that the hope is that, you know, my presence, my existence, my person uh, will be redeemed, will be made new and death will not be the one that's victorious over it. Um, And I think it also just reclaims and, and makes it clear that, you know, sometimes people talk about death as if it's a good thing. You know, uh, sometimes people in the Christian tradition even sort of, you know, talk about death as if it's supposed to be a friend that we, you know, we're, we're comfortable with death. And yeah, I mean, there's a certain sense of being, you know, okay with death, not fearing death, but, um, but it's not the ideal, you know, uh, some disembodied state from, from my human person and my human body is not the ideal. The ideal is that this creation is made new, which includes me and my body. Yeah, there's some weird messiah complex who want to be martyred. I think there's something innately twisted with that. Martyrdom happens because you're being faithful in a circumstance you don't want to be in. Like Christ, right before he went to the cross, is crying out to God, if there is another way, let it happen. Hmm. Hmm. Yet, like, this self-righteous uh, martyrdom thing is uh, it's 
can be twisted. It's it's a form of pride. Like a true it martyr is, doesn't yeah. want to be martyred. They they should right. be appreciating life and all the goodness. Hmm. Um, not but, seeking out martyrdom. <laughs> but not also like not seeking out martyrdom, but also getting to a point where you're not fearing death. Hmm. Because fear yeah, it's is, a balance. Yeah, it's a balance. I think it's it's a it's the difference between you know not fearing death, but also you know, not embracing it as something that is necessary for human existence because human existence in the garden is meant to be um, something that does not, is not touched by death. Death is a, is a result of um, disobedience and, and sin. And so I think that that's something to be remembered in, in any conception of what it means to be uh, in the Christian narrative. Yeah. I have a personal story um, that's very direct to this uh, passage. Mm. Um, when I was in my doctorate in ministry program at Alliance Seminary, I was taking a, a course by uh, Rob Reamer, um, and he was giving a lecture on inner healing. Now, inner healing is something in charismatic circles where you kind of pray and the Holy Spirit brings you back to a traumatic moment or experience, and usually through confession of sin or forgiveness, God somehow redeems that memory and heals that memory. Now, when I was first hearing this, I was super skeptical on everything that he was saying, but uh, he pretty much said, all right, let's just pray and see what happens. No, no agenda, no nothing. I'm going into this prayer thinking like, there's nothing wrong with me, right? I don't have any profound traumatic moment. So we begin to pray and I see myself uh, as a two-year-old. Now, the, the, I guess the best way to explain what's happening is it's like I'm dreaming, but I'm awake. So I see myself as a two-year-old and I'm holding the hand of my great uncle, Hannah, who lived with us uh, before he passed away. So in this memory or vision or whatever you want to call it, uh, I'm holding his hand and he just drops to the ground. He drops dead. And then I see Jesus come into the memory literally lift up my uncle Hannah and repeat the words that we're talking about. I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though they die. And I literally started bawling my eyes out for the next hour. So I'm like, what just happened? Like, this is, this is crazy. So I go to both my parents individually and I ask them, can you please explain to me what happened when uncle Hannah died? Both of them confirmed that he died in my arms in the same room he died of a stroke and he died uh, as he was going to the hospital. So I had this traumatic memory at two. You're not supposed to remember before you're three. Like you can't sure. remember before three uh, of, of an older gentleman dying in my arms. And it caused all this fear and phobia and, and destruction in my psyche. And it was confirmed by my parents. My parents didn't want to tell me that. Like they just like, all right, bad thing happened. Let's ignore that it happened. Uh, but this also explained a weird phobia I had. So my entire life, uh, I always had this phobia of the elderly. Mm. Like it was this weird, like, where is this coming from? Why am I scared of old people? Right. And I would always like try to like, uh, just like ignore that phobia. Like, I don't know where that's coming from, mm. but, but there literally was life giving healing <laughs> from, from the, 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 the truth that was being confirmed that Jesus is indeed the resurrection and the life. Yes, it's awful what happened to my great uncle that he died. We're all going to die. But, 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 but Jesus has healed me and reassured me, look, death does not have the final say. Hmm. Hmm. I haven't cried that much ever in my life sure. uh, well, after that. Amazing because it's just like a memory that you shouldn't remember, right? 
yeah. of all things, but it's had su uh, such an impact on you without you knowing how or why. Um, and, you know, it's just something that's lingered there and stayed there uh, without you consciously being aware of it. And yet, you know, through this prayer and the spirit and, you know, through Christ, you're able to not only make that connection, but really be healed by uh, being healed. Like you said, inner healing, like uh, this is something that's impacting you, whether you're aware of it or not, it's impacting you. And Christ is there to uh, make it new, to redeem it, to heal you, to, to, to get you to, to confront it or deal with it or whatever it needs to happen, happen, you know? And yeah. uh, I think yeah, a lot of times we're very closed off to those experiences. And uh, the, something that comes from that experience too, is a reminder that the words are meant to be words of hope, right? Yeah. They're meant to be words of healing in, in, a, in the context of crisis and loss and, um, even, you know, trauma that is even unrecognized and, you know, most, um, it's, it's interesting that you bring it up, but most, uh, most experts on trauma, uh, will say that often we don't even, uh, it's unhelpful for us to talk about trauma because often we don't even know that it's in us. <laughs> it's lodged itself in the body in a place where, you know, we are, we don't even have access to it by talking about it. It has to come out in other forms. Um, and often it comes out in strange phobias or obsessions or defense mechanisms, whatever it might be. So all that to say is that this is a fascinating, just a simple case study, but a fascinating one in that, you know, it reminds us that these words are actually um, powerfully hopeful and they redeem those experiences of trauma and loss and grief and, and bear witness to the life-giving goodness of God. Yeah. Shant, uh, I, I can't imagine what you've been going through the past couple of years. Uh, what has helped you grieve properly uh, the death of both your parents? Uh, any, any sort of advice you'd give to those who may be experiencing the reality of death? Uh, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's never easy, right? Um, I don't know. It's just, it's tough because you, you know, you're still in the middle of it um, and don't know the, the full ramifications, but it definitely helps. Um, in a lot of ways, it's helping me that I have my sister along with me and that we're grieving together. So definitely grieving with along with somebody it is definitely a huge help. Uh, and just going again and again to the scriptures um, and just ho holding on to that hope that, that, you know, we're only in this world for a short time. We don't know what's going to happen. We don't know what's to come, but we know that our God is good and Jesus has uh, saved us and redeemed us. And, he will continue to walk with us. Um, and I think, uh, you know, it's easy to get caught up with um, the, the what ifs in a sense of like, oh, what if things had been different or regrets that you might have, or even just looking on to the future and saying, oh, now my, the future is different than how I imagined it because of this loss. A lot of those things uh, can, can really weigh on, on you as you're grieving. But I love that, you know, especially with this the context of this text, Jesus is basically reminding Martha, the resurrection and the life is here, like right next to you in the middle of all that weeping and grieving with you. And yeah, it sucks. And there is grief and there is sadness and there is disappointment, but there's Jesus is right there. Um, uh, he's, he's, he's not gone away. He has not forgotten. He has not abandoned you in any way, shape or form. 
um, and the disappointments and the, the grieving is there and it's real, but he, he makes himself present, right? He makes himself known in so many other ways. And I think my, I guess, advice is that, is that you can really wallow in that what if or being uh, grieved in the moment or disappointed in the future because of this loved one, oh, they're not going to be there in the future when this happens or that happens. But uh, to just re be reminded that Christ is there um, and he's there grieving with you and it's, he'll make his presence known even more so uh, if you're, if you're paying attention, you know, if you're, if you're allow him, you know, like you said, hi, you're going into that prayer, very skeptical, but it's like, look, if you allow Christ to work, if you allow the spirit to work, things are going to happen. Um, mm. And that you can definitely count on and trust in. Mm. Wow. J Jeremy, uh, thanks for sharing that, Sean. Uh, Jeremy, any closing thoughts or comments? No, I mean, we, we covered a lot of it. I, I mean, I guess maybe the only last thing I would say is that this is all happening on the way to Passover. Um, just before the whole scene, we, we got to get in the, the festival for each. We got to get in the right. festival. We totally forgot. <laughs> but, but the, the point I want to make is not so much. I mean, we know about Passover from the, the bread of life conversation, but, but this, this is all culminating in the Easter event, right? So the cross and then the resurrection on Sunday morning. Um, and so just to, just all this to say is that the core like identity of Christians <laughs> is the Easter celebration and should be this hope from the text that we took. Uh, I am the resurrection and the life that should be really the, the central um, affirmation of the church. And, you know, just like, as we were saying, there's a lot of confusion over it and a lot of misteaching and misdirection. Um, and, and we lose the hope and the, the, the generating, power that it offers us when we neglect the fact that this is really what our whole faith is is anchored in um jesus as that resurrection as that life that that is life in the face of uh, even the suffering and death yeah absolutely absolutely and uh it's important to also like have that balanced understanding of cross and resurrection christianity because mm. sometimes people ignore the suffering and just jump to the resurrection but you cannot get to resurrection without the cross and sometimes people preach the cross without the resurrection, and that's also twisted. But we need this whole gospel that you see uh, Jesus complete, uh, being the Passover lamb, but also ushering the new creation at the resurrection. Uh, and it, we, we have to hold both of those moments in Holy Week uh, throughout our life so we could grieve and mourn and realize that there's evil in this world and death is not a good thing. Right, uh, right. But have the hope that there's redemption awaiting well, you know, it's like Passover is a celebration of the journey of Exodus, right? And so mm -hmm. it's important to remember that the, you know, the end is always this life, this, this resurrection hope. Uh, but on the way, you pass through death. <laughs> you pass through suffering. You pass through difficult experiences in life. And, uh, yeah, we talked about that in some of our first episodes about how, you know, the cross and the resurrection are connected and, the way you view the cross shapes the way you view the resurrection. Um, so there's a little plug. If you want, go back to those episodes earlier on in our conversations. But really, I mean, that's, you know, what we're saying is um, you can't have one without the other. And you can't get to resurrection without, you know, through the cross. Yeah. Without going through the cross. That's what I, just to be clear. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. 
All right. Thank you, Sean, for sharing. Yep. Uh, Jeremy, it's always fun. Thanks, to, uh, this has been a really great just to have fellowship with the three, uh, with the three of us together. Even if no one is listening, uh, I love having these conversations. Sure. But those who are listening, thank you. Uh, remember to stay caffeinated. Um, and th thanks for, for watching. Stay blessed. Have a great week. I guess. Oh.